the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. Had to make a little uh, a little shift last hour, and I didn't get a chance to uh, introduce it all in advance. I had to switch the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock uh, interviews around, and uh, it, was, it might have been a little awkward getting the show started today, but uh, everything's running smooth now. Unless you work for an a-hole boss, and we're going to talk about that a little bit with my next guest, who is uh, considered a corporate fixer and um, outspoken uh, HR consultant, author of a new book that um, exposes damage done by bad boss behaviors. It's called How to Tell if You're an A-Hole Boss, a humorous yet honest expose on misguided management behaviors by Tamika um, Sears, who joins me by phone. Hi, Tamika. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I hope I got everything right on that intro. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, I don't... I, probably didn't even have to mention Outspoken. People can tell that by the title of the book. A little bit, yes, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But let's, you know, it was funny. When I I first saw the title of the book, I I had to snicker a little bit. I was in in a band many years ago, traveled around the country, and we worked for a a guy who ran the band, um, and he was really tough. And this guitar player friend of mine, um, who lives in Nashville now, um, coined a phrase. He said, pricks have the best bands. And, <laughs> and, and what he meant was that, you know, if they were tough on you, the standards were high and the bands performed better, things were tighter, the energy was there. Um, but it sounds like that can go awry pretty easily. Yes, yes. And I, I definitely think that there's a, a place for um, leaders to lead towards excellence and have very high expectations. I don't, I don't think that anyone should have mediocre expectations of their employees. But I think it's the way that you do it. It's, it's kind of the, the messaging, right? If you um, message it in a way that is demeaning and condescending, you're, you're probably an a-hole boss. And the other thing that crossed my mind is um, that people who, who, who exhibit that kind of behavior, 
don't know they're doing it. Correct. That is one of the reasons why I wrote the book. Um, the book is structured in a way that it's stories um, that are, you know, true stories that are fictionalized. You know, one character in the story could represent, you know, three people that I've met along the way. And it's kind of instances that leaders find themselves in and saying, huh, well, what's going on here? And they don't really ever look at themselves in th those situations. They think that, you know, it's something going on with the team or the environment or a whole bunch of other things other than, you know, the face that's staring back at, the, at them in the mirror. So I wrote this book to be that mirror. And what happens when... Have you had the experience where someone who you think has exhibited this behavior that qualifies them as an a-hole boss reads the book and reacts to it? Have you been able to, to see that play out? Um, I haven't been able to see it play out where someone reads the book and reacts to it. I, I do hope that it's a, a positive reaction. Um, but I, I did get some early first reads from some of the people that um, found themselves in this in this book that it, some of the, the people were, were based off of. And they, they did let me know that they appreciated the guidance that they received when they were in that situation, when they were being kind of that horrible a-hole boss that allowed them to finally see how what they were doing impacted their teams and make changes in their behavior. Yeah, I just I just wondered if there's um, an aha moment for someone who um, performs badly or, or qualifies as an a-hole boss, and and they think, wait a minute, I'm I'm doing this all wrong. How how does how does that moment happen? I think that moment happens, you know, as you're reading through, you know, you, you get to, you know, chapter five, and you're like, oh, my gosh, these people have been horrible bosses. And then you, you read the next chapter, and you're like, oh, shoot, this is me. Um, and you, you dig in, and you start to really pay attention, you know, a bit more. The thing that's good about the book is it doesn't just say, hey, guys, you're horrible. It says, hey, guys, you're horrible, but here's how you can fix it. So it's not just a matter of, you know, poking fun at, at horrible bosses. It's helping them really understand how, like I said, what they're doing impacts their team and what they can do to make themselves a better leader. What are some of the behaviors that, that qualify someone as an a-hole boss? So one of the things, and this, this, this happens quite a lot more now, I think, with people being hired remote. When someone is hired onto a team and their leader says, you know, my door is open, you can come in at any time with any questions. But then when that new hire does come in with questions, they get their, you know, eye, eye rolling or deep sighs or I don't have time right now. Or if they're remote, they don't even answer the phone or, you know, they don't answer the video call. And the leader themselves are probably saying, God, you know, I hired this guy and he's just asking so many questions and it's just silly, blah, 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 without stopping to think. Yeah, you hired this guy and he doesn't know anything about the company. He may know the job, but he doesn't know the specifics about the company. 
So your expectations are greatly misaligned with reality. And so there, there are instances like that where the boss is just being a jerk without even realizing that they're being a jerk. But meanwhile, the new hire is like, what the hell is going on with this, this person? Everyone's on the, t- on the team is like, yeah, you'll get used to it. And people shouldn't have to get used to it. What, what can people do that find themselves um, under the reins of, of an a-hole boss? Do they just uh, keep their head down and take it? Or are there actions that, that they can and should take? So this is where it gets a little tricky because it depends on the boss. It depends on the organization. It depends on how supportive of an, of an HR team they have. If you are working in an organization that has a good HR team, like an HR team that is really focused on um, employee advocacy and helping employees have the best you know, employee experience possible, then you can go to them and say, this is what I'm facing and I need some help. And hopefully what they'll do is they will get help to that leader and to help that leader understand that their behavior needs to change and there won't be any repercussions or ramifications for that employee going to seek help from HR. That's, that's utopia, right? That's best-case scenario. Um, in other instances, it, it may be appropriate for you to say to that leader, hey, you know, you hired me and you said I can come to you at any time. But I've noticed the last few times you got really upset. Is there a reason behind that? Is this something that I can do differently? Um, and question in a way that's not accusatory um, to get the leader to kind of understand what they're doing and that they need to make some, some changes. I, I don't think that putting your head down and taking it is, is ever the answer, but I think that that is what happens most of the time. Thankfully, um, with where we are right now, it just kind of in, the, in this country at least, you can find a new job. And that's one of the reasons why I think this, this is important to really talk about right now. If you have a bad boss, you can leave. You can find a new job probably fairly quickly. So you don't have to put your head down and take it. You have to polish off your resume and get another job. Are, are we in the midst of that going on right now as a result of the pandemic? Are people um, just re-examining the, the workplace that they used to be in? Is that why we're having this uh, um, great resignation? I, I do think that that is a, a big part of it. Um, you know, and just anecdotal information, I, I uh, went, out of, went out of town, went back home, and got an Uber and had the best conversation with an Uber driver I think I've ever had in my life. And, and what she said was she was remote. She was a, 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 in a buyer role. She was remote and was super happy about it because it was a very toxic environment in the office. And then when they required, the company required that everyone come back in, she did it for six months and then said, screw this, I'm out, and has been driving Uber ever since and is making, she said, as much money, if not more money than she did going into the office every day as a buyer. So there are opportunities now that people have that they've never had before to have income that 
is the same, if not more, than the income that they had going into the office or at that desk job or doing that regular nine-to-five. And people are starting to realize that. And people are starting to realize, I don't have to be in this this soul-sucking organization. I can do something that is a lot easier and spend time with my family, and that's what's more important. Are people in management positions re-examining themselves the same way people like the Uber driver you were just talking about have been re-examining their situations? Do you, do you think that there's going to be an awakening of, of management people too during this uh, transformation to whatever the new normal is going to be? I, I am hopeful, um, though I, I have once been called the patron saint of lost causes. I am hopeful that there <laughs> is an awakening. <laughs> um, but part of there being an awakening, the person has to understand that they are a part of the problem and that their behavior is contributing you know, to the problem. I think a lot of times there are managers who think that asking someone to work you know, more than 40 hours a week is just okay, you know, like that's just what they're supposed to do without stopping to think, you know what, just because I do it, that doesn't mean that it's okay. That doesn't mean that everybody else wants to do it. Um, so I think until managers have a better understanding of um, what normal can be and they can still be productive and things can still get done on time, then it'll take a little bit longer for, for there to be a leadership awakening. But I am hoping that there is an awakening because without that, um, companies are they're going to be a little screwed for a while. I think that the the really great companies out there, they they have kind of seen the writing on the wall. They're getting their leaders training, and they're helping people understand that the way that things operated, you know, even five years ago, it's not going to work in this new environment. If people keep leaving. Uh, jobs because of they're not satisfied is is that a red flag or does that slow down the um, uh, eureka moments for some of those managers with uh, bad behaviors so it it should speed up that eureka moment if you are if you have a team of 10 people and eight people leave, that, that should be a clue that there's something that's wrong with you, not necessarily wrong with the people. However, I mean, I've, I've noticed there's a, a little uh, sandwich shop down the street from me, and he, the owner of that was in the newspaper the other day complaining that all of his employees left. He had a, a, a leader, he had a, an assistant manager that got a new job and then took all of the employees with them, and, and he was just pissed off and saying, that shouldn't be allowed to happen, and it's rude and horrible. And, you know, my response to that is, that's capitalism. You can't be okay with capitalism when it works for you and not when it's working against you. Right. If you treated people well, you would still have employees. Hey, Tamika, I, mean, I need to take a short break here, and I want okay. to talk about this some more. Can you stick around for a few minutes? Absolutely. My guest is uh, Tamika Sears. We're going to talk about her... Uh, 
her book after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages Everybody's as well. doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom General stuff? Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than a thousand dollars now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen. We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? 
Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We can uh, continue our conversation this hour with the author of a new book, just came out this month, February of uh, 2022, How to Tell If You're an A-Hole Boss, a humorous yet honest uh, expose on misguided management behaviors from uh, corporate fixer and uh, HR expert um, and and author, Shoot, I got the wrong page here. Oh, I'm sorry, Tamika Sears, and she joins me by phone. Tamika, um, welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No, not a problem. That was very interesting commercials. <laughs> Good. I'm, <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Um, but let's um, let's get back to to what we were talking about, and and that is about. Um, bad or misguided management behaviors. Um, do they trickle down from the top? Sometimes and sometimes sometimes not. I have worked in organizations where the CEO is the nicest, most altruistic, you know, wonderful guy ever, but the, the people that reported to him were awful and they kind of um, managed up, so they, they let him know that, you know, things were going great and things were awesome and wonderful, and he didn't really see their behavior or see, see the impacts of their behavior, and he wasn't being told the truth. So sometimes it, it, it doesn't start at the, the top top, but sometimes it does. And if you have an awful um, leadership team, you are typically going to have awful middle managers and so on. Um, how can how can that develop in a in a company if you have somebody, you know, at the at the top of the food chain, that you know is a is a pretty decent person and and treats people well. How can that not be carried down to middle managers, for example? So if you have someone at the top that is, you know, that, that, you know, is basically Santa Claus, great guy, um, but then, you know, his his elves are, are, you know, little hellions, that can happen (laughs) because the, you know, Santa Claus is just like, wow, these toys are coming out on time, you know, the children getting them seem to be happy, you know, everything is great, but meanwhile, the way that the elves are, are, are making the toys and they're like demeaning the other elves and... Um, you know, just being condescending, being rude. And, you know, they say, like, you know, you get things done, but you leave a, a, a bunch of dead bodies in your wake. That can be happening, but, you know, Santa just sees the operation going fine. And that's why, from my perspective, it's really important that even from the CEO down, that they do skip levels and they talk to people other than just their direct reports. 
Because if you don't do that, you often have no idea what's actually going on in your organization. Now, it seems like through most of the of the 20th century, um, employees, especially frontline employees, would they just wouldn't complain. If it got really bad, they would just leave. But most people were afraid of losing their jobs. Has that changed dramatically in these first uh, couple decades of the 21st century? Are people less afraid to call a manager out or, or even a CEO out if they, if they think there are just bad policies that affect them negatively? I think that it was it was changing slowly over time. You definitely saw uh, more people complaining. Um, of course, then with social media, it you know sped up quite a bit because people were able to air their their complaints online and gain allies. And then with the pandemic, oof, that just that fast forwarded things. You know, it sped up by thirty years in the last two years because people were able to say, you know what. Um, I don't, I don't have to do this. People went without during the pandemic, and people started to understand, I don't need that. I might, might not need two cars. I might not need to um, go to the movies, you know, every week. And so people started to realize they don't have to deal with that in order to live their lives. They don't have to have that job that's been, you know, weighing them down and making them sick and all kinds of things in order to have a fulfilling life. So um, for all of the bad that COVID did, which did quite a lot of bad, um, one of the few good things, I think, was this awakening for employees to start understanding um, what was actually important to them and start to say, I don't have to deal with that. I've been referring to some of those things, and there are several from people getting more comfortable with uh, remote work and spending more time with their families and, you know, maybe, maybe being a little bit more productive in less time because they're able to work from home and they don't have to commute. I've been calling those things silver linings. Yes. And I think there, there have been some. Um, but what what is happening, and, and there are a number of things going on at the same time. You have the impact of the pandemic, but also there is a trend to so much more automation, and AI is becoming a, a factor. Um, how is the workplace uh, changing in a way that is... is more humane when there are technological uh, ways to just eliminate people. Well, that that is one of the problems that I think we're we're facing as a as a nation is is it being done in a humane way? Are people being, you know, having their positions eliminated and being outsourced in humane ways? You know, you, there was that instance with Better dot com where they. They laid off like a thousand people on a big Zoom call in a horrible, very inhumane way, and then essentially outsourced the jobs to another country. Um, I don't think that there has been a focus on doing things in a humane way, and that has to change. Um, it's 
it's definitely, I feel, weighing very heavily on the mental well-being of everyone in this country. Um, to be laid off on a Zoom call with, you know, all of your peers and get two weeks severance, you know, that's, that's just not okay. I mean, that there are things that have been happening that I think lead to the destruction of, of people um, that drive people to do, you know, dangerous things. And I think that is one of the things that human resources needs to help leaders work with and understand the actual impact of their actions. Um, that horrible Activision case where someone was bullied at work to the point where they, you know, died by suicide, those things should never, ever, ever happen. And until you get companies with stronger human resources support, um, unfortunately, things like that may continue to happen. My guest is uh, Tamika Sears, and the book is called How to Tell If You're an A-Hole Boss, a humorous yet honest expose on misguided management behaviors. Tamika, it sounds from the title of the book, How to Tell If You're an A-Hole Boss, that you that you actually wrote this book to A-Hole Bosses. Um, do you think of it that way, or, or is there an element to the book that's kind of a life raft for the employees who have to live with A-Hole Bosses? I, I think it's a bit of both. So I, it's, it's humorous in a way that if you are dealing with an a-hole boss, you can read the book and say, yeah, that's Joe, you know, and, and kind of laugh about it <laughs> and, and kind of, you know, see that you're, you're not alone. So it's something to, to help people understand that this, this horribleness isn't just happening to you. It, it's happening to other people and it's happening um, around the world. Um, but overall, yes. I want bosses to read this book, understand that they have a problem, and make changes to their behavior. And that's why it's not just a book of, you know, funny stories about random horribleness that I've been through or that, I, that I've seen. It's a book to say that, yes, there is this horribleness, but after each, you know, chapter about horribleness, there are tips to say, this is what you can do to better that behavior. So it's, it's I, I, you call it a self-help book, uh, which, you know, it's a self-help book with a, a you know, a-hole in the title. Um, but it truly is to help those leaders identify themselves as the a-hole and get better. And I've been joking with some people that they're like, uh, this is going to be the best surprise gift that people can get for their leader. <laughs> Do you think that's... Do you think that's what's going to happen, that all of a sudden copies of your books are going to start showing up on the desks of managers around the country? Yes. With my pre-release, I had several people um, ask to send it anonymously to their, to, their, <laughs> to their boss. So I definitely do think that it's something that is, is going to start happening, that people will, you know, you know, get it. If they're working from home, go grab the mail. Like, oh, what's this? You know, and it's <laughs> definitely something that I think is is going to happen. And and do you think your experience with with a hole bosses 
working in you know HR and and having to resolve some of the differences uh, and problems that come up between labor and management. Um, do you think, by and large, most people that would be categorized as an a-hole boss don't want to be? Oh yeah, I I think that. I think nine times out of ten, the person doesn't know that they're an a-hole boss. They don't realize what they're what they're doing and how it how it's negatively impacting their teams. And once they find that out, they absolutely want to change. I don't think that there are a lot of leaders out there who say, you know, I'm going to wake up in the morning and think about what I can do to make people hate me. Um, so that's, I don't think that's a conversation that people have with themselves for the most part. So I do think that. No, but um, I, but I don't think it's unusual for people in leadership positions to accept that they're going to be hated. So there's a, I think there's a difference between accepting that you're, you're, everyone may not like you and accepting that you're going to be hated. No one has to be hated in the corporate world. Um, and I think that that is kind of how a lot of people kind of grew up with, with leadership. They were like, this is how my boss was taught. This is how my boss taught me. This is how I'm going to teach other people. And I think there are enough people right now who realize that that kind of, it's like the, the cycle of corporate violence doesn't have to continue. And I think that people are starting to say to themselves, you know, when my boss did that to me, I didn't really like it. There's got to be a better way. And so I'm trying to help people understand, yes, there is a better way. If you wake up in the morning and you are not exactly enjoying as, as a leader your job and what you have to do, it could be because of how you're doing it. Do you find that in, in putting this book together that it's, it's best to identify bad behaviors and eliminate them? Or is it more important to come up with good behaviors and encourage them in a way that replaces bad behaviors? So I do think that it's important to pick out some bad behaviors because, unfortunately, I think until you do, people think that they are good behaviors. And until you say... Or at least acceptable. Right, right. They think that that's, you know, it, that's, it's working, it's, it's the way to go. And so I think until someone says, no, that is, that is, that's not the way that we're going to do things around here, people are going to continue to do that. Because people can say, well, yeah, you know, I learned in training that this is a good way to do it, but I've been doing it like this and this is fine. And it may be fine or it may be horrible, but you just think that it's fine. So until someone says... Nope, that is absolutely not okay. People are going to continue to do that. They're not going to replace that behavior because they think it's okay. They haven't been told specifically that's not okay to do. So the same way that I would I would teach a leader to work with the people on their team and be very explicit with the expectations, you have to do that with leadership values and leadership behaviors as well. I, I had a friend in uh, Los Angeles who posed a question to me that I've been wrestling with ever since, and I'm curious what you would do with this question. Okay. It's, would you rather be right or effective? Uh, 
Hmm. And I see you responded. Time. You responded yeah. just like I did to Mika. Yeah, <laughs> it that's, was like, a, that's an interesting question. Yes, because it, it um, is an interesting question, and like I say, I've been wrestling with it for years because it, and and I'm sure that somewhere there's there's an answer that says you know sometimes one, sometimes the other, but it, it just um, it it it's a tough choice. It is. It, it makes me think of kind of, you know, what my, my HR philosophy is, and that is to be on the side of right, right? Like, I don't think that HR is there to protect the company. I think that HR is there to take care of the employees. And nine times out of ten, if you're taking care of the employees, you're keeping the company out of any trouble, and you have to do what is what is right, so to be on the side of right. Um, but... Sometimes maybe it is more beneficial to be effective than quote unquote right. So that's a, that is a really interesting question. Well, I was just curious if 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 you had a a better answer than I've been able to come up with because it just seems <laughs> it just seems really tough because we do want to be effective, but we want to think we're doing right. 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 And I, I guess one way to look at it is if you know that you're doing the wrong thing, I mean, that, that probably doesn't feel so good, right? So um, if, you're, if you're being effective, but you're doing, you know, the, the wrong thing. So, for example, you know, at Dexter, you know, he, he got those uh, serial killers off the street, but he did it in a very wrong way. So he was effective, but he was also he wasn't he wasn't right. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, getting back to the uh, getting back to the book, how to tell if you're an a-hole boss? A humorous yet honest expose on misguided management behaviors. Um, interesting choice of of language there, Tamika. Misguided management yeah. behaviors. Um, why did you choose that word and not just simply bad management behaviors? Because I think that, you know, when you look back at the, the history of the way that leaders have been developed here, some people are taught to do the wrong things. Some people are taught to be um, the all the time the hammer or to um, get things done in a way that, may not necessarily be always above board. So I think that there, there there's a lot of advice that leaders are given. There's a lot of training that leaders are given that is wrong and outdated. So it's, they're misguided. So I, I, I would hate to ever think that someone is just doing these things because they're, they're just that far off the mark. I think a lot of these behaviors were taught and they're learned. So they're misguided and they can be unlearned. How does that, how does that happen? How, how does somebody, you know, look at your book and say, you know, I'm in a position of leadership and I've been exhibiting some of these things and when I see it on paper, I think I might be an a-hole. <laughs> um, and, and they come to that realization and decide, I need to change. I need to do things differently. Is the road to righteousness uh, available in the book? How do they how do they get started? 
down yeah, the road. Yeah, so that, that's one of the things I wanted to make sure they could do with this book. They can get started with this book. There are um, tips and exercises with each chapter to help them develop their skills as a leader. Uh, and that was vitally important because I think sometimes you have to, you have to start that journey yourself, right? So I do executive coaching. Most people, if they are that far, you know, in, in the hole, they're not, they're not coachable. They're not, they're not ready to take that journey with someone else. They have to start on their own. So by starting on your own and working through some of these things and, and getting to aha moments on your own kind of builds up your strength, builds up your coachability so that you then can seek outside help and find an executive coach or um, go through an executive leadership development program that will further those skills. But I wanted to make sure that absolutely people can get this book and start the journey towards being a more successful leader. Well, I think it's um, it it's an interesting book and and a uh, and a fun book because you you basically have figured out how to how to how to call someone an a hole in a humorous <laughs> way. Right, right. People that know me know that um, there's not a whole lot that I take seriously. Um, which, you know, can be pretty bad for an HR person, but I, I make it work. Um, and so I do think that it's important to be able to say to someone, you know, you're being a jerk, you're being an a-hole, and then be able to take it, thank, thank the person for the feedback, and make the changes necessary. And, and humor is really a good way to break the ice on some very serious things. Right, right. It, there, it works a lot of times because you you have someone who is sometimes in this very negative place, and you can break that down with humor, and you can break that down with, you know, just being down to earth and being, um, you know, likable and getting them to laugh at things and then eventually kind of laugh at themselves. Tamika, we're almost out of time, and, and the time is just flying by because you're a delight to talk to, but let me... Oh, thank let, you. Um, with all of my guests, I try and give them an opportunity to share with listeners where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Obviously, the book is a great place to start, but yeah. more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, do you have a website you'd like to share? I do. My website is searscoaching.com. So I can I can be reached there. You know, Sears like the store coaching. <laughs> I was not very original with my business business name. Um, and the book they can get at aholeboss.com. Well, Tamika, thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners and and sharing some of your thoughts. And keep up the good work. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. And we're going to talk a little bit about public relations in the next hour of our three-hour tour. But if you're listening to us at WFOVLP, Our Voices Radio, uh, 92.1 FM in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we... Uh, 
when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And um, we're going to go ahead and break for those now. And uh, don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse because there's still lots more of the Tom Sumner program yet to go. Stay tuned. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila, tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not, is a major factor in dancing like a retard, may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them, also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. From the Tom This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, I worked as an accountant for a number of years in Chicago. And I had a kind of a strange uh, theory of accountancy. Uh, I had always felt, uh, you know, if you got within two or three bucks of it. (laughs) But (laughs) this never really caught on. (laughs) And as a consequence, I held a number of different accounting jobs, you see. And it seemed like whenever I would go with a company, uh, they would always be having a retirement party. And I found out one thing. They are all alike. Uh, Different people will retire, different people make the speeches. But they all say the same tired old thing. I went to one in Chicago for a guy named Chuck Bedlow. He was an accountant, and he was retiring after 50 years. And first of all, Mr. Clayton got up. He was the president. He gave a little address. Then Mr. Tipton, the vice president, gave a little address. And finally, Bruce Higgins, the head of the accounting department, got up and gave a little address. And he was Mr. Trite. He used every cliche that had ever been used at a retirement party. uh, And he said things like this. Well, uh, uh, golly, I guess today's the day, isn't it? It's, uh, it's really going to seem funny, though, uh, golly, walking in here Monday morning and, and not seeing, uh, not seeing uh, uh, Charlie's uh, smiling, happy face there at the desk. I, uh, I got to calling him smiling, easygoing Charlie, <laughs> and I guess most of us had some sort of nickname or other. We used to call him from time to time. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget... Uh, well, that, that too, yeah. Uh, I'll never forget, a kind of amusing thing happened. Uh, I had just gotten out of college, and uh, now what's the, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? I, I, well, a, a little wet behind the ears, I guess might be the way to put it. <laughs> and I was made department head here. 
And uh, many of the nights that Charlie and I used to uh, sort of uh, burn the midnight oil, so to speak. So let's really hear it now for a wonderful old guy. Uh, uh, Charlie uh, Bredlow. Bedlow, Bedlow. Charlie? Well, uh, uh, thank, uh, thank you very much, Bruce. Yeah, I've been uh, sitting here uh, listening to uh, Mr. Clayton and uh, Ms. Mr. Tipton and, of course, Bruce here. And through all of their speeches, one thought kept sort of uh, recurring in my mind. I... Uh, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I have never heard such dribble in all my life. <laughs> I, I don't suppose that it, it ever occurred to any of you that I had to get half stoned every morning <laughs> to make it down to this crummy job. <laughs> you'd, uh, you'd, you'd be smiling and easy going if you were gassed all the time, too. <laughs> but you put in your 50 years and they give you this crummy watch. They, I try to try to make a big deal out of it. It works out to about twenty-eight cents a year. <laughs> but uh, ser seriously, if it hadn't been for the fifty bucks a week that I glommed out of petty cash. Well, I, I just, uh, I couldn't have made it on the, <laughs> on the lousy salary they pay it. <laughs> oh, and then uh, someone started the rumor about Miss um, Wilson, the, uh, the cashier, and myself. <laughs> and everyone was running, if, uh, you know, when I retire, and uh, she gets back from her vacation in Florida, whether well, uh, we would get married, I suppose, and spend our declining years down there. Uh, she, she isn't coming back, by the way. <laughs> I understand that sweet old Miss Wilson is uh, into this company for about 100,000 bucks. <laughs> It's a little deal that she's worked out. <laughs> she either calls it uh, double payrolling or ghost payrolling, or some, something having to do with payrolling. <laughs> I can never make heads or tails out of what she was talking about. Of course, she's uh, down in Mexico with a hundred thou. 
And I'm up here with this crummy watch. <laughs> so anything that I might say, I suppose it would be sour grapes. <laughs> One last thing. A lot of uh, people have asked me, Charlie, what are you going to do when you finally retire? Oh, are you going to get a little uh, part-time job in Florida or uh, just a lull around the beach? Or in other words, what am I going to do? I have some tapes from some office parties. <laughs> that I'm, I'm going to let go for 1,500 bucks a copy. <laughs> now let me, let me take that back a minute. Uh, the June picnic may run 17.5. <laughs> And with the money that I make off of the tapes and Ms. Wilson's under thou, <laughs> I should uh, do pretty good. Thank you very much. Thank you. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.